This podcast was with Gwen Robertson, current head coach at Issaquah High School and a longtime sort of living legend in the running community. And she's affected literally thousands of athletes, uh, both in, in coaching and in life. And Zach and I were able to actually sit down with her at her house um, and talk about the current state of the running union, um, not only in our community, but in the the much larger scope of distance running in general. Okay. So in this interview, one of the one of the key themes that comes out is Gwen talks a bit about the recipe for um, for continued success. And she she speaks to it in relation to high school running, but it actually has applicability uh, for all, all forms of life, whether it be business, whether it be, um, relationships. Um, and she talks a bit about how you just need to get a little bit of progress each day, each week, each season, each year, and how that momentum can help build momentum. And she actually says, uh, that success breeds success. And she says, there's no doubt about it. Basically I've watched this pattern happen over and over, over this 30 year career. Um, the other thing that gets mentioned is she says, everything I know I learned from running and track and field. And then goes on to sort of describe the lessons that you learn from participating in this kind of a sport and how that can carry throughout your life career. Those lessons are life lessons. Um, and that is kind of Gwen in a nutshell in terms of what she provides for her athletes. And that is probably the one of the main reasons why Gwen was also awarded by the Brooks Running Company, the Inspiring Coach of the Year Award for 2017. And she's been recently recognized um, nationally as one of the all-time great coaches, um, not just because she's got had quite a few very successful athletes, but probably more importantly, what she has meant to the athletes that wouldn't necessarily show up on a successful stat sheet. So what is your, like, what's your, what's your daily, uh... Routine? Well, yeah. I get up and drink coffee, read the paper. But are you still, like, are you still running and or walking on the daily? I don't run because I have a hip replacement. And And what about walking? We walk every day. But what about, like, Gwen Robertson race walking? Is that still happening? No, I'm not race walking. I mean, I could, but Lori and I walk together. Sure. He's too slow. So I'm not gonna... <laughs> and it just never came natural to him. I was race walking till maybe I had the hip replaced, um, but I could because it'd be easy, it'd be better for my heart rate and all that stuff. But we walk up Talis Hill, we walk up behind, so we get our heart rates up. Um, so that's what we do, and then we lift our little weights at the community center with all the other old people. At the Issaquah Community Center. All right. And it's all people. I'm like one of the youngest. I'm one of the youngest people in yeah, there. It's pretty funny. Place. Nobody's into looking at their muscles because nobody has them. Sure. Right. But we know that that's important. So that's our routine. Yeah. And so what? Um, like, what's this? What's the upcoming plan for for you at, at, at just like as a coach? As I've, or am I allowed to ask that? I'm sorry. You, it's no, okay. no, you can no, deny no, anything. no, no, no. As, as I said, probably ten years ago, I take it year by year. Mm-hmm. So, like this fall, are you? Yeah, st- I didn't give up the head cross country job, mm-hmm. so that one is a track and field is my first love, but I love coaching cross country. 
better than track. Really? Mm-hmm. I would have thought the other way around. You just, like, you, to me, you were always a distance coach. Well, I love coaching cross country because everybody's kind of going in the same direction. Track, as you know, is a three-ring circus. And there's just a lot of things happening, a lot of moving parts. And it's, it's, as the head coach, I became less engaged with the kids because you become more of an administrator, supervisor of your staff and your kids. And that was fine for a while, but it's just like, that's not why I got into it. That's why, that's not what brought me into coaching. It was actually being able to work with the kids. So in cross country, there was always that, you were always more able to do that. And administrator. And be an administrator. So um, this year behind the scenes, I was mentoring Liz Riker, who was 22 at the time, and she, she and Tracy were the two co-head coaches. Where's she at? She's a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, she's awesome. She is going to be a fabulous head coach. I mean, she learned how do you know that? just by how she got things done and kind of how she perceived things. And she's going to coach cross country, which is good because one of the things I want to teach her is about the gray, right? When you're young, you're sort of black and white, right and wrong, this way, that way. But there's all that in the middle. That what falls in what, what falls in there? All kinds of things. Discipline. Uh, kids doing other sports, you know, that, that's an annoyance big time to track and cross country coaches, right? In cross country, we dealt with the, the boys playing soccer. They couldn't go to a meet on a Saturday because they had a soccer game. And in track, you deal with the girls going to soccer um, and they might not go to an, to an invite. Um, and so the frustration as the head coach, and Liz was getting there this year, is like, how can we put relays together? How can we do this? And it's, I just want to say if they're going to do another sport, they can't do track. I said, just be careful saying that because think about the unintended consequences that you don't think about when you're young. And so it sort of came out in the season with one of our good kids. And I think she's going to learn that. And it's, it's not easy. It's never fun. And Mike Miller, do you know Mike Miller? He was a head track coach at Newport for years, probably when you guys were running. Anyway, nice guy, he's our pole vault coach. So he's a former head coach and I'm a former head coach. So it's really helpful Mm -hmm. because Mike says, there will always be issues in track. Mm -hmm. There just are, it it never fails. It's one of those sports. Too much diversity. Yeah, there's just just a lot going on. So it's kind of good to have two wise old sages there who will say, you know, think about this. Mm-hmm. You can do it your way because I'm not saying it's wrong, but think about what you're saying to a kid. We'd lose some of our best kids if you black and white said, nope. So, okay, then you have to say, okay, let's find a way to deal with it. Because do you think you were black and white in the old days? I think early on I was much more that way. Mm-hmm. That's probably been the biggest change over time has been I don't think my philosophy's ever changed much, but how I see things has changed over the years. And you would think that experience would help you. As they say, older people are happier. It's really interesting. The studies show that. And it's like, Is that right? Yeah. Like people in their 60s are happier than when they were in their 40s. That's great because I'm currently miserable. <laughs> <laughs> and it will get worse before it gets better. But, know. you know, after you get to a certain point, it's sort of like, 
you figure out nobody cares what you look like. You just you just be a good person. You just do your thing, and as long as you treat people well, life's good. So you know when you're younger and you're building your careers and you're worried about your kids and all that stuff, there's a lot more stresses involved than when you're when you're older. Mm-hmm. As long as you have your health. I mean, I think if you didn't. So the more things that you've that you've seen, that the just like the more tolerance for more things to see. So let me ask you. You this. were one of those. Uh, I was hoping we didn't go there, but absolutely, I bet I was. I bet I'm responsible for some of the gray on your hair, you know. But you know what? You're, you're pro- saying you're I have responsible for, for some of the the gray I don't have yet. Saying you I have gray hair. You, gra- you navigated me through a lot of things, which actually kind of brings me to right. the next thing I was gonna. Cause, uh, and we should probably do a more formal version of this later about like what this is. But I mean, we're 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 two of your um, probably era noted athletes i'm slightly before zach but in both cases mm-hmm. like you probably aren't forgetting us as some of your athletes I mean, right and then you have and then like kayla and um like luke george those are other era i don't right. i just don't know all your kids like ellie's right, another right, one right. Those, just you have some kate bradshaw right. those are the kids that um you know you love them all but it's like those are the ones that kind of were that were looking to you mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of throughout this mm-hmm. time so um the where one of the questions we were we were going to ask you or are going to ask you is um, you've been forever about to retire. Yes. Like even when we were, even when we were athletes, there would sometimes <laughs> you would be like, well, I don't know, you know, I don't know. And, and when this is going to happen. And I just, we, we both kind of agreed the other day when we were talking about this, like, do you remember ever panicking? Like, oh my God, she's going to stop while we're still here. And those were like real concerns for ironically, both of us in our time spanned eight years. And so, um, A, do you know that the anxiety you give these kids because they love you so much? But, but B, and that's, this is really where the question is, um, like, why can't you get away? Why can't I leave it? Yeah, because like, you, you said, oh, as I get to be a more of an administrator, that disconnected from the kids, so I suspect part of your answer is the kids. But like, what is it that, I mean, you're at 30, what years? It's like, how, what, what is it? Uh, okay, well, first of all, let me say, one of the little freshmen who's coming in, um, Dill's brother, he knows who Dill is. He was here the other day because he's friends with the neighbor kid, and he goes, are you going to be coaching next year? He's asking me before I'm even coaching him. I said, yeah, don't worry, I will be. So maybe I'm learning to be less stressful to my athletes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that that's true, but, well, part of it is my own protection. It's like, if I really decide I don't like to do this, I'm gonna walk away. Mm-hmm. But part of it is I never wanted to walk away when things weren't settled. And that's one of the reasons sure. I, I was back this spring. Um, and I knew I would be in the fall. So ha- having said that, I still have always believed that it's nice to have your cross country coach also when your track coaches because you're, the continuity with those kids is irreplaceable. Because if somebody had them in the spring that really didn't have the same sort of training ideas and things like that, it could be really disruptive. You're saying as a distance kid. Yeah. yeah. So I've always wanted to have a hand in track for cross country. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how I see it now. So my plan when I retired from track was to turn it over and go away for that season so that I wasn't here because I didn't want to be here. 
to have them saying, well, what would you do? I'm like, it doesn't matter what I would do. You're ready to do this on your own. And then come back and volunteer years after. So I volunteered last spring and I was there every day because that was fun. And then this year, because they needed me, <laughs> I actually got paid. So did Lori. That's how desperate we were. <laughs> Lori G was one of our coaches. So, and he did a great job by the way. But um, I think it's important to have that continuity, especially when we don't, we don't have the kids year round. It's interesting talking to a young gal who's, who you'll meet. She's going to coach this fall as well. Her name is Sarah Henry. She's an English teacher. She's roughly 30-ish. Uh, she ran at the U, so she knows John Harding. So she's that era. Um, I can't remember where she went to high school. But anyway, she had a stint as a head cross-country coach, no, head track coach in Colorado at Fort Collins, Rocky Mountain High School. And her big thing about she didn't want to coach again because she was burnt out at the age of 25 was because they did year-round coaching. Weren't paid year-round, but they were expected to run these off-season programs. And I said, well, we don't do that. We tell the kids what to do, and hopefully they'll do it because it's their thing. It's not ours. He says, oh, I really want to coach. I said, well, good, because you won't have to be here at all this summer. She came to our meeting. We gave the kids a schedule. I run into the kids because we're over there. And most of them are doing it. There's 32 kids at camp this week up at White Pass. Mm-hmm. I mean, because so, they just... You have 32 Issaquah kids at White Pass? And we have four counselors. So that Bruce McDowell, Bruce McDowell goes, oh, the invasion of the Indians. Oh, I mean eagles. I said, yeah, have fun. <laughs> but what's happened is, and I think it started with kind of... Jacob and Kenan, that group, they were running geeks, right? So they, they go to the World Juniors, right? They're down there at the World Juniors. Then they go to the World Juniors. They just will go to a track meet wherever. And they just love it. So then they're getting other kids to love it. And so it's built to where now at the high school, Tom Backman says, Gwen, it's all your kids that are out here every day, all summer long. And you can tell them that I'll open the gate for them. They don't have to hop the fence. <laughs> I said, Gwen Rilla made me cry. I know. I, I, was, a, I was a wimp ass, but Gwen Rilla <laughs> made me qu- cry because I hopped the fence. But anyways, go on. Yeah. So, so the nice thing is we got kids that it's through the kids that they're just encouraging other kids. And like the little freshman said to our neighbor who's eighth grade next year, he goes, you should run cross country because you get to know the seniors. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. How many freshmen get to know seniors? Mm-hmm. Well, if you run cross country. included in that. Oh, yeah. Area. And they'll say hi to you because cross country kids are nice kids. Mm-hmm. They're not the, mm-hmm. the football studs and too cool for school, you know, and they're not going to recognize some little freshman. No, they'll talk to them and they'll see them in the hallway and, and it makes their experience so much better. So it's really a tribute to Kenan and Jacob mm-hmm. and Kayla, Ellie, that class. What was happening right before that? Because you've seen little, and I'm just going to use our, our like, you, we saw that um, Brent Jarasek had a little something going. Mm-hmm. And then it, it, and then. Hit the valley floor. Well, um, we, we <laughs> did accept that then. Then these guys, then yeah. Then these guys came along and. But um, was it the year after you left that we went from winning to last? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so you, you get these sort of um, 
these blips and the the their blip that was that was like um maybe a little bit of a of a of what you just described like me and joe were kind of geeks and i think that helped get the what started being aaron skolnick and yep and then a few and then really what got it going is right after aaron skolnick i think was uh casser and nick nelson and then you and then your generous game and that was really what was like the di- like the little mini dynasty era mm-hmm. and so what is it that happens do you have to just rely on the kids or is there kind of a formula and maybe once it gets going is can, can it just keep going because it gets its own momentum? Well, I think we do rely on the kids because I think for sure my philosophy is it's not about me. It will never be about me. So if kids want to do it, I'm going to make it available and this is what you should do. And these are, get other kids to come with you because it's so much easier to run. It's like you and Joe, right, in the winter. Terrible. If you'd had 10 kids to run with, well, I'm a lot more fun, right? Mm-hmm. So you sort of kind of try to sow the seeds that this is why it's fun and how it's fun is you get a group of you to meet every day through the winter, through the summer, partly because I think if, if you guys get together to run, you're doing it for the right reasons. It's not because a coach is there, so you feel like, oh, I got to go because the coach is there. So I asked a couple of the kids this summer, I said, so how do you feel about that? Do you, would you rather some of us be there or not? Mm-hmm. And they said, no, I think it's good that you're not. And I said, yeah, I think it's good that we're not because I feel like we need a break. And I feel like they need a break. Mm-hmm. And then it's their thing. They know what to do. Now, whether they do it or not, <laughs> that's, but they're pretty good about following a training plan. Um, but it's all within reason. It's not super constricting at all. And they'll do their social things. And just the fact that they're all going to camp. I mean, last year, I think they had less than 30, but it was right around 30. So That's amazing. How many did you guys ever have going? I think we had eight when we went to Oregon. You see, when my yeah. era, Six or eight. like nobody went. I always went. I went to two or three uh, summer, but like... Nobody else did. Nobody else went. But I, I know that there's programs, because I was talking to Alan Bonnie up at Edmonds. Yeah. And he goes, you guys don't meet? I said, nope. I said, we never have. And we never will, as far as I'm there. And he says, I just can't get there. I just can't do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, from my perspective, if I felt that way, it would be about me. That I have to be there, mm-hmm. right? To control this or to mm-hmm. whatever. And I... You know, part of coaching is you do have to control because you advise and blah, blah, blah. And you would like the kids to follow what you want them to do because you have your reasons for it. But on the other hand, you're really there to help anybody that shows up, right? If we have 100 kids, there's 100 different reasons why those kids are there. And some of those kids are there only for the social part or their parents made them. Some are there to get really good and you got everybody in between. So as a coach... They pay me to work with all the kids, right. not just the good kids, not just the kids that are dedicated, even though the Pinecone War team, I think you were on the staff during the Pinecone War era, which was not too long ago. <laughs> Zach knows what I'm talking about. Throw pine cones at each other. Interesting. And of course they didn't. So 
Do you have any varsity kids on the Final Core Award? They were all varsity kids. Really? That was a weird... It's so odd to me. Yeah, so I think I came on in the, <laughs> like the back end of that. So like it was the year before that I think all the kids, I think, did the Final And so what thing. was then like... the next year they made, like those same kids went from being like last in Kinko. Yeah, I was just going to say, how did they So then made? making the state meet that next year mm-hmm. and was it just was it just that they were running geeks at heart and they just matured enough to start training? well that- i think what happened is the kids that we relied on to be varsity actually became jv maybe a couple of them were still varsity yeah. okay. you know so you get like the real running geeks that yeah. right and, take over. and that helps right okay, so maybe that's part of a formula right like you get you get running geek but they're really good, and so that gives them, at least in the context of a distance run, like, you're cool, right? Because there's a little bit of cool based on time, right, um, in our sport. And so I wonder if that is part of it, because similarly with the ladies, like, if we go back to when you started losing, you had, you had like, Kate Bradshaw, um, Natalie Young, Whitney Stern, and then some other role players, but Kate graduates, Kate and Natalie graduate. The next year, you have Whitney as the senior, and that was an okay team, but I don't think the team made yeah. it. And then you kind of, but then you kind of you go through this drought era too. And so, is it that you need these these young, good athletes? And why, if that's the case, why is it that Issaquah keeps getting that? Like you guys, it's kind of a dynasty program right now. You must, well, you must speak to that. Well, like we've we've yes, we've had our droughts. We've had some serious droughts, you know for. <laughs> I don't ever pay much attention, but I know there were years it's like, well, the drought continues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so then you, you get kids that aren't that dedicated. Because I think there's, there's an element of kids like to do things that they're good at. Human nature. You like to do things that you're good at. So, okay, I, I like to run, but we're not that good. So, you know, it's okay if I don't go to practice or I don't go to do the summer training. But when they start to see success, success builds on success there's no question about that and that's what's happened with this group since that jacob and kenan were quite young and kayla because when kayla ellie emily winterstein we had five freshmen come in that year and suddenly they were pretty good because in girls that can happen right so all of a sudden they made it to state as freshmen so then they think, okay, well, if we really worked, maybe we could get better and better and sure. better. So then the key to keeping that going is to keep getting in a couple good ones every year, right? Because if you do that, it just, yep. you replace some, but some, some are in. So, you know, I think it was, what's the guy's name out at Mount Sinai, Sean? Sean Sunnel? Yeah, Sean. Did he, he kind of experienced that recently too then. Yeah. Well, if you, if you coach in high school, you should experience that, unless you're Bellevue football. You should not always have the best kids. Because I watched the middle school meet this, this spring, and I'm like, well, there's not much on either side. But they're young. Um, Sean said to me, I mean, maybe it was last week, wow, you know, once these kids graduate, you'll have a big hole. Well, suddenly we had... Our sophomore girl ran 505 this year. I wouldn't have predicted that one. And we've got a girl coming in who's run 458 as a seventh grader. And she's run 1046 two weeks ago. It was a 1002, 3000, which converts to 1046. That's right at our school record. Okay, so this girl's eighth grader. Her sister 
was the one that was so good at Interlake last year. David Smith, Camilla David Smith. Mm-hmm. I do know that name. Well, see, Sick. she should have been at Issaquah too, but I think she took a program that they had at Interlake. And the, she went for Brad. Right, and so the mom's tired of driving. So this kid has been running with our kids, but she's doing JOs right now. But mm-hmm. she's, um, I saw her run at the JO meet. It's like, that girl's the real deal. I mean, pretty scary, because mm-hmm. she's not gonna change for the worse, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, she knows the kids. So you get that one in, right? So if you always get one or two pretty good kids, last year's freshman class of boys, I mean, Zach saw that that dual meet we had with Skyland where all those kids were under five minutes yeah. in a dual meet. What was it? There were almost 40 kids in that race. Yeah. There was like 35 kids in that sub 520. Wow. So split it up yeah. two. We had to run two heats. And I think it was most of the guys were under five. Yeah. It was crazy. It was over 20 kids under five, yeah. which in a dual meet yeah. is like... It's amazing. Yeah. So so there's... And some of those, we have like three or four good freshman boys. I'm just like, okay, so that... And some of them are at camp. And so then that just breeds itself, mm-hmm. right? We won't always have a Luke George, say, or a Sammy. You can build on those kids if they bring the others with them. And that's kind of the key. It's like, okay, do they separate themselves or do they try to encourage these other kids? Mm-hmm. And because in boys especially, you see that some of them aren't very good until they're maybe their senior year. So, you know, don't ignore those little freshmen, mm-hmm. sophomores who are just hanging on and just part of it. John Harding. Crazy. You know? there's, And if I went back, you could you could look at a lot of examples on the girl side it's a little different you really if they're not real good as freshmen but they like to train and they're strong they can progress steadily i'm looking at like lauren haas that we have and andy kolosinski and and those kids who weren't like phenomenon phenomenon in middle school sammy was good in middle school kenna was good in middle school um luke was a sprinter in middle school so who, who would have thought? He ran 100 to 200 to 400. And now he's a good distance runner, right? Which is actually what you want. But to me, it's those kids making the effort. It's not the coach so much because we've always told the kids to run in the summer. We've always told them what to do. But when you were there, it was you and Joe, mm-hmm. right? When you were there, it was six of you missing yeah. that seventh, right? Scott has been doing yard work for me. So, um, speaking of a good, good businessman. Oh, he's doing he great. A nice business. He's, he's just an outdoor lighting for us. He's yeah, done. He's just, you know, that family. Is just oh yeah, he's wonder. great. Yeah. I'm just yeah, like Scott. Cool. Runner. Runners love runners, and they runners do. are better people. Well, you know, Lori always said I'd like to write a book. Everything I learned in life, I learned from running, or from track and field. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot to that because you do you learn hard work because it is hard work Mm -hmm. discipline setting goals not reaching your goals resetting your goals I mean that's what a businessman has to do right because you're you're always going to have goals things are going to go better things might not go as well so how do you adapt to that Mm -hmm. and failure is huge for progressing as a human you learn more when you fail I think yeah I don't feel all that smart. I have plenty of <laughs> failure. Yeah, but I do agree with you. 
like what do you hope that any any kid that comes into Issaquah's cross country program takes with them? Like, essentially, me, what you let me add just one thing in that answer. Include because you just already alluded to you have a hundred different reasons spanning from I want to be a great runner to I just want to be here because my friends are here. So how, yeah, so what do you want from these kids, or what do you want for these kids? I guess is what you're asking. Sorry. Well, do you guys remember Anise Dodd? Was he in your class? Yeah. Really slow. He's usually one of our last kids. I mean, he's, I'm sure he's a physician by now, but he was super smart. But his best memories are from doing cross country and track from high school. And if you were to look at this kid, you'd go, what's he getting out of this? You know, because he's always back of the pack, but he was there every single day. He always did the workout. He worked hard and he wanted to get better. Right? What's he going to apply to when he's a doctor? What in his life is going to carry over from that? Everything. Right? So I just hope they come out of it going, you know what? It was hard work, but I did it because I think you got to learn to work hard. I don't think that's a given, especially in our culture. So if you learn it, it's not going to kill me to work hard and be exhausted and then come back and get a personal record. There's a connection between the two. Work hard, improve. Work hard, improve. Within reason, as you know. <laughs> we won't go there. So, so that's what I hope. You know what? The slowest kid on the team, it's important to me that they, get, they improve. Because some of these kids can't even run a 400 when they come. First day of August practice, we're going to have kids on the track. Some of them won't graduate from the track until almost the very end of the season. Because if they can't run down to suicide and back without walking, they don't leave the track. And we just keep them there because then we can monitor and make sure that they, they're improving and they're doing the work. And those kids, they all show up at the awards night. What does that mean? That means it was important to them and they got something out of it. And from the general person, they might say, well, what's that kid getting? They're always last. Well, somebody's going to be last, somebody's going to be first. I don't care. But if they're getting better, and if they had fun, because there has to be an element of fun, what makes it fun? What makes running fun? I mean, it's always the, in cross, I mean, that's like, it's the team. It's, that, it's, the, it's team. Yeah, it's just like the nerd, the nerd out together. And getting better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting I mean, better. if... I mean, when I competed, it was like, I didn't really care what place I got as long as I got better. And there was no better high than when I had a really great race. And if kids can learn to do that, I don't care how fast or slow they are, that's going to carry them through their life to be really good at whatever it is they're choosing to do. And hopefully they still want to run. Because I see a lot of people in the community, half of them, I can't remember who they are. (laughs) But they remember me right and said I had a good time you know how's it going I thought maybe you were retired by now and you know blah 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 so you get those I have no clue who they are and I go well it's good to see you so you know it's that gives me pleasure as a coach to know that it meant something to these kids and I saw oh um Kim Varney's brother Robert Varney was running up on the swamp the other day came down and there was this kid with him. And I looked at the kid and I'm like, man, he looks familiar. So we got down the parking lot, we were talking and I go, and what's your name? 
And he goes, Justin Bethel. I said, did you run cross country? He says, yeah, I ran for one year. I recognize his face, but I couldn't. And he's up there running the trails with Bob Varney, right? How cool is that? Mm-hmm. Bob's going, yeah, I'm getting a little pudgy. I said, but that's okay. You get out there and run. <laughs> but to me, that's what it's all about. It's like a life process. You know, if you can't run because you're injured or whatever, that's one thing. But if you stay active and you want to stay healthy, activity is key to that. Plus, your brain works better when you stay active. But, like, what about with your wide, with, with the wide net of capability and just, like, motivation f- for being on a team? And that is kind of unique to our sport, sports, mm-hmm. if you want to divvy up, but our sport, in, in that, like, you wouldn't probably find... Um, you probably wouldn't find that diverse mentality on, like, certainly a basketball team, right? Like Phys- if, yeah, if, the if diverse phys- physical skills. Because we get really diverse physical skills. Yeah, but, but, but even just like, like you had alluded to before, like, the reasons is pretty diverse, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the, the, the question I'm about to ask is a little more on the physical. So what's the, like, how do you approach coaching that? Well, like like let's use let's use the upcoming season as as the example. You're gonna have fifty. You're gonna have eighty kids, but you've got Luke George in there, and you've got you know this year's version of Brady Jones. Mm -hmm. What do you do? Well, one of the reasons we're fortunate at, at Issaquah, we get stipends per number of athletes, right? So. Right now, we're getting close to where we could have five paid positions. We're not quite there. If we hit 120 this year, we'll get, and we probably will. Um, you cross. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Because we had 108 last year. Oh, my God, that's amazing. And so then, so we'll have four paid coaches plus David Seligman will be a volunteer. So he'll be there most of the time. So on the normal days, we always have a variety of runs. And we've gotten to the point now where we say you can run this trail, this trail, and this trail. And they're all kind of different distances. And they have to be in their groups, and they're by similar ability. So it's easier once they run a race because we can say, okay, you guys, this block, you guys can run. So that the first couple weeks is a lot harder because we don't know what anybody can do other than the known entities, right? But we will have kids that won't leave the track probably for the first week. So but we have a coach that's sort of responsible for different groups. Um, so we endearingly call those kids that won't leave the track Tracy's kids. So they're kind of a group, and she works with them throughout the season to try to get them so that they can maybe run Swamp Trail, mm-hmm. right? Because they get bored with Suicide and Back or <laughs> Snatchery or, you know, some of the really smaller runs that we have. And they want to go up there, but until they can go up there and run it, we don't let them go because it wouldn't be prudent, number one, because you might lose them because <laughs> every once in a while, we don't know, we took the wrong trail. <laughs> I don't know where we are. Um, for safety reasons and also for you don't want them to hold other kids back. But she kind of pushes them a little bit to try to move them along so that they can graduate to they're not in Tracy's kids anymore. So we, we have different groupings based on the coaches so Liz will probably have a group she's more interested David will sometimes run and I think Sarah will run with the kids 
Um, so you, you it, it's hard to, you have a plan, right? But the, the plan isn't that different for all the different levels. It's just more advanced for the good kids, right? Because training is training. Physiology doesn't really change, right? So you, if you're starting from zero, they're not going to do anything near what, what Luke George is going to do, mm -hmm. right? But you can still work the same thing. They need aerobic conditioning. They need strengthening. So they can do all the dirty dozens, and they can do the other things with the whole group, but their run is going to be separated by their ability level. So you still work them towards they want to race, because most kids will want to race. There's a few that don't. So there'll be kids that won't race the first meet or two, because if they can't run three miles without stopping, we don't put them in a race yet, because I don't feel that that's being very responsible to them. Mm -hmm. And so some of the kids, they'll just run 12 laps on the track. And once they can do that, they're good. And that's motivation for them, because they want to go. They want to run in those meets, right? So you're just trying to push them up to the next group and then they go into the next group and the next group. So we'll have a group of probably 20 to 30 that go up above to run Zach's trails in that, that workout. We named one after Zach, right Zach's on. trail. Right. Let me ask, so let me ask you about like the top kids tiers. Yeah. Because in there you've got to make some decisions as well. Um, like one of, I guess I'm going to go there. One of our points of contention, um, and, and I'm, and, and now literally 20 years later, I'm fully aware that. Is that how long it was? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was a freshman at 20 years ago. Uh, 20 years ago. I, I started running for you 21 years ago. You make me seem old. <laughs> well, we were talking about this the other day. Um, you're right on the cusp, but I'm in the first half of your coaching career. Because what year did you graduate? I graduated in 2000. Yeah, about halfway. You're right about halfway at this point. So I should have known better by then, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you weren't the only coach to have a problem with me. Um, <laughs> the, could, but here's, here's, this is like a classic to me, like um, one of the things you probably deal with in runners is, is, is the mind, right? Because my problem was my, was my mind because... Um, and I have a, a much larger sort of state of the running union as you see it now. Just so let me ask, let me ask a really long-winded question. So, like even just Zach and I are kind of um, um, we would both have fallen into your top group mm -hmm. had we been there at the same time. But you would have, I would have constantly been pushing you because I want, I wanted, I wanted things that made me feel like my volume was more. Because in my mind, right or wrong, and just like the like. Be, things that have nothing to do with running they just have to do with where I live and who I live with and just how I was brought up and all who you are more is more is better I need right. more give right. me more right. 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 I want more miles I want more I want that over more runs I want more intervals I want more 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 I know that yeah <laughs> I remember that whereas Zach is like like physically that would you like you didn't have to fight with him because, because he's a more like mentally responsible person than I was but but like you had literally his back was a limiting factor for me um Overuse would have been the limiting factor, but actually taking on that abuse is I actually can handle. You wanted that. it, right? I wanted it, but and and it, as it turns out, my body's really durable. So like mm -hmm. you could have coached 
that slightly differently. And, yep. I, and I just know that you have. Mm-hmm. So, like, how do you start, um, or how do you now identify some of those things? Because because back in my in the nineties, um, the the my understanding or my observation would be that less less volume was kind of the strategy, um, and then and prior to that, more volume, and then now it's like not back to more, but it seems like the volume is higher, but um, now it seems like, like say mileage volume might be higher, but like there's also just like a higher volume of other things that are now being valued just in endurance mm-hmm. coaching. And so mm-hmm. I'm just, so like my, my, I guess my question is, how has that evolved? And now in 2017, when you have a kid that um, can handle I mean, let's just throw a number number out there and let's just say a 60-mile week. Mm-hmm. That's pretty high by how I remember you. 60 miles, nobody was doing that. And now I know you've had kids that have run. Right. Those, so right. how has that evolved and like how do you responsibly deal with that now? Well, it has to be one of the reasons why some coaches will be there in the summer is to watch that because you can see when somebody gets stale, right? Somebody's tired because they're doing too much. So I just have to trust that they're not going to be crazy because we give them a window of this is what you did last fall this is what you did last spring so it's you sort of track i want the kids to keep a log because that helps me okay so if we have a kid coming so in they keep and, and show you yeah, a lot. Oh. yeah most of them the the kids that are at camp sure those are the kind of kids that will do that the other kids because they don't train in the summer it doesn't matter but um say kenan I knew that Kenan had started running at a pretty young age, and he trained through middle school more than most kids did. So I knew what his background was, and he was really good about sharing that background. Then you had Jacob, on the other hand, who ran nothing, basically. Middle school practice, 10 miles a week, whatever. So Jacob wasn't going to do what Kenan was going to do, but Kenan needed to do more than Jacob. So Kenan was one of the kids that got up higher than probably almost anybody. Um, and he seemed to be able to handle it fine. Plus, he did running start. So part of my concern is in where the kids are at Issaquah, the academics are so difficult for a lot of them because a lot of them take a lot of AP. And they're telling me they're staying up till 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning. It's like, it's crazy to get up at 5.30 and go for a run. Mm-hmm. They'd be better off staying in bed and getting an extra hour of sleep so they can recover so they can actually do the workout that we're going to do. Kenan wasn't a problem because he had a couple-hour break at about 9.30 in the morning. He'd go for a run over Robinswood, and then he'd come to practice. So that was easy to get in. It's hard to get in 60 miles a week when you run once a day. It just is. So, okay, so you balance out sleep, morning run. Most of our kids opt for the sleep. Because Jacob, Jacob wanted to run whatever it was, his senior. I said, well, the only way you're going to get to that mileage is probably to do a second run. So they had the late start Wednesdays. You could do a run in the morning if you wanted. Then run in the afternoon, keeping in mind that we have meets the day after. Or during cross country, we have a meet that day because we go to Wednesdays, right? So there's, it's sort of like their academic schedule dictates what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. So if a kid has been injury-free and has had a nice progression, I don't mind them going up higher. 
but it's when they get injured, they don't sleep. It's like, I'm not gonna recommend they do more. I'm just not, because if you're tired, you could be the best trained person out there, but you're not gonna run fast. Mm -hmm. And I just assume the reason you're training is to run fast, race fast, not to train to train, which some people like to do. It's like, I mean, if that's your goal, fine, but that's not what I think your team wants or what maybe your goal is. So you, you have to have that conversation with the kid because you could be the fittest kid out there and you're not the fastest kid. Totally. Right? Even though talent-wise may be equal. So they're kids still, and that hasn't gone away, okay? And I know that there's kids in this country that are running a lot of miles. And, you know, if they can survive and not be injured, more power to them. But you can train smarter and not necessarily harder. So it's what you do in combination with everything. Because we know more now about tempo runs, and those are a staple to what our kids do now. Really? And when did that start being more? <sighs> I don't know what. Like when did you start really sort of valuing that? Were we doing much? I don't know even if we were doing that much with tempos when you were in high school. Um, I mean, definitely not when I was, and I was right before you. I mean, we only did them in our winter training and summer training stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, what do you? What do you? How do you? What do you? Uh, what do you? What direction do you give? Like, and let's take a let like choose, choose an athlete, um, guy or gal. And, and if you can, give me about what they're running and then tell me what, what you give them for di a direction for, for how to run a tempo run. Well, a tempo run, once they have some races under their belt, it's kind of easy to find the pace that you should be at. It's when they don't. So if you have a 19 minute... Well, there's all kinds of charts. So you, okay, good. Yeah. So, that's, so that's part yeah. of it. So you, you, right. you have I'll use a, the Jack a, Daniels chart mm -hmm. that tells you what your tempo run mm -hmm. should be, what your intervals are, what your repetitions are, because it correlates pretty. Oh my God, I got to change the, now I have to change the question. Like, um, <laughs> like give me your, when, um, when we used, when I was, when we first would have talked about just like running training philosophy and, and I guess even physiology, uh, you were a huge Sebco. Well, David Martin. And Peter Coe, Seb's dad, wrote a book on, um, I think I gave it to you, um, Physiology of Training and all that stuff. So those two guys impacted where I've come from. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that Frank Horwell, who was with the British Milers Club, who passed away a couple of years ago, he was the first guy that came up with this year-round multi-pace training, which is what Peter Coe talked about in that book. Because Peter, our friend with Hoka, he knew Frank Horwell really well. So it's kind of like what Jack Daniels says, where you keep in touch with all these different energy systems throughout the year, but it's how much of what you're doing when. So in the summertime, like this summer, the kids are mostly just running miles. Then come the end of this month, early August, they'll start tempos with, and they're doing strides three times a week. Even now. All during all, year. All, during, all, year. all during their training. And we changed them from build-ups to strides. So they're more like, some of them at 800 speed, 150s, maybe some 200s, whatever. Um, because it, if you watch any of the Diamond League, you gotta be fast. You pretty much have to, you, just, guy, you pretty much have to close in under four minutes in any race. You just gotta be fast. Yeah. So 
don't work on that too late. But if you keep in touch with it, it's not such a huge change. So with a tempo, what I'll say to them, because the young kids really don't know. And until they get a lot of races, they have no clue. Now, everybody has a GPS watch, so this makes it way easier today than it used to be. That's hilarious. So all these kids are just... are just They all have their GPSs. <laughs> they know what every run is. And, you know, it's like, okay, great. I don't have to measure anything. But you just say it's comfortably hard. So the next day, you're not tired from it. If the next day you're tired, you ran it too hard. You ran it like a race because it's easy to, to do that. Because you, you start out at the right speed and, oh, this feels great. And all of a sudden, you're just hammering. It's like, Kenan did that one summer. Just about ran a PR for 5K in a tempo run. I'm like, <laughs> that wasn't the point of that. But anyway, it's comfortably hard. Um, you can talk a little bit, not a lot. And you should feel good the next day. And then, then we have the range. We get to the exact time range that you need for a kid. I forget what Kenan was doing, his 5.30 pace or something were his tempos. And they were easy. 5.25. Or, yeah, pr probably around 5.25 it was when he was senior year. And so the, the girls are now doing a lot of those. And during the season, during cross country, we do them if we don't have a meet on the weekend. And they'll go out to the East Lake Sammamish Trail. They'll have to go further down now that it's being torn up. Yeah, and they just do an out and back, they warm up and do that. Um, what's been interesting with the cross country schedule now is that meets are Wednesday. So I think I became a better coach when they went to Wednesday than when they were Thursday. Because the tendency was to run hard on Monday, race on Thursday, race on Saturday, run hard on Monday. And you start thinking about that, that's an awful lot of quality in six-day window, which probably wasn't the best thing. The kids survived and, you know, they did okay. So that was probably your era, because I think we still were Thursdays. Mm -hmm. So then we went to Wednesday and said, well, we got to really rethink this. It's going to be really important that the kids are in shape when they come in. Because if they're not, we don't get the, the work in during the week, right? The racing becomes their hard days. So if you're running Wednesday, Saturday, you've pretty much got your two hard days. So you could run a tempo run on a Monday, which would be fine. And a lot of times that's what they'll do. They'll do high point with two miles down that backside. That's a great place to tempo because you just it's like, nice. a, it's like a cheater's time. I love that. Yeah, it's and it's just nice. <laughs> you just kind of flow. Yeah. Um, and then if we don't have a Saturday, then they'll do a, a tempo. And we did them during track season too kind of through March. If we didn't have a meet on a Saturday, they would do a, the distance kids, the, the better kids, not everybody, because they don't know how to do them right. But kind of Sammy, good group of girls, good group of boys, they'd all go and do a three-mile tempo run. So how you progress a kid, say a Kenan was running 60, he could do a four-mile tempo run, right? Most of the kids, their mileage isn't high enough, so you're not going to have them go much over three miles. And because they have these great watches and they know exactly how far they ran, they're pretty honest about it, right? And we have a great place that's flat because you really want it flat. You don't want the backside of I-90, but when, when in doubt, when we can't go anywhere, can't drive anywhere, you go down the backside of I-90, right? So that I think has really helped them because cross country is so much more aerobic than it is anything else. And it's lactate threshold. 
because you race right there. So your early races, if the kids aren't in super duper shape, they're going to be, their races are going to be more like a lactate threshold or just a hair over. If they're in shape, they can run it hard. And doing the shorter races like we do, the two-mile class race, mm -hmm. and we usually have another one that's shorter. Um, I believe it's better because they'll run it harder than if it was a three-mile. So they're actually running more at their, their actual 5K race pace. We used to take what we did at the two-mile class race at Lake Sammamish, and by whatever you did there for your race, if you train right by the Kinko, you're going to run that same pace for three miles. Mm -hmm. And it almost always worked out to the person if they had a good consistent season. So it gives you a good idea, that early race, what probably they can do mm -hmm. come the end of the season. Um, and if they fall out of that, then you go, okay, something didn't go right. What was it? Was it what we did? Were they sick? Whatever. And so you have to evaluate that. I always evaluate the season. It's like, okay, well, if the kids don't do well by the time they hit Kinko districts and state, then something wasn't right. Either it's what we did or it's what they did, pinecone warts. <laughs> Those kids, <laughs> they didn't do too much. <laughs> are, are you taking notes throughout uh, how kids seem like they're feeling? On, like I, I use the example of the Sunfair mm -hmm. the course there and how you would always say that can ruin, like that seems to be a theme of ruining a few of the kids' seasons because of how much stress it is on the body and on the mind. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's one of the reasons you sort of get caught up in we want to do this meet, this meet, and this meet is because you know patterns, right? If you coach long enough, there's patterns. There's patterns in the track season that I can predict. We are not going to do very well at this meet, but it's okay because it's got to do with what we've done for training. And Snohomish, even though it's a great meet, we traditionally did not have big improvements. In fact, some kids, most kids wouldn't improve. You kind of go, why? Well, it's the middle of the season. Or it's, you still got five weeks to go. It's too early. So when you know as a coach that this is probably how they're going to do, you don't freak out when they don't do very well because it's not going to be like, you just, nobody does that. I watched Centrowitz on TV the other day, right? And it's like nobody's at their best all the time. So I have benchmarks. It's like Kinko. Traditionally, our teams are better at districts than they are at Kinko. And I actually like that because that's the way I want it to go. Being Kinko champs is huge, but that's not the most important thing to me. It's how you're going to do the week after and the week after if you get that far. Because I truly believe that if you're at your best at Kinko, you're probably not going to be at your best at state. And last year, our boys had to treat Kinko like it was state to make it because it was two weeks early because we had no district meet and it wasn't going to be good for them. And I knew it. I was like, okay, well, if I don't do it, they're not going. Mm -hmm. So I still don't like that scenario. I would rather have a district meet, state meet back, back to back weekends, but we're probably not going to have that. 
Just for, usually, so it, that's like that's the decision now. Is you're going from a, a three week, a three a three race like championship series to a two. Yeah. Because we're not in a district, mm-hmm. we're in our own district, and so some people's philosophy, it's different from mine, is that they'd rather have that rest week in the in the middle. Well, the way we train, it doesn't work great that way. For the girls, it was fine last year because. They didn't have to be ready to go at Kinko. Mm-hmm. So they just trained through Kinko. The boys, it was like the weakest state. Yeah. And I just told them, I said, we're going to do this because would you rather get there or not? And it was like, nope, we'd rather get there. And it was good because they're all coming back. And so you want that experience, right? So the girls had a much different classic last race of the season than the boys. The boys were hanging on. And they did fine. They were ninth, which was fine. Maybe they could have been eighth. They weren't going to be much better than that, probably. But those are the my guides. I'm like, okay, if we're pretty close at Kinko, okay, we're good because we're ready to just let loose the next week. And um, if we're not good at Kinko at all, then that's a bit of a problem. Then you're probably we're probably just not very good. Because usually we'll be decent at Kinko. And so uh, an additional part of Zach's question is like, um, so if you've been coaching long enough, you see these patterns. Um, and then and that can kind of help you feel more even keeled in your decision making. But but that's those are like hindsight, I've watched this happen. What are what What is something, if there's something that, um, like what are symptoms of, you know, either success or ailments in a season that need that need addressing right away. Or, or yeah, yeah. I guess what would those be if they even exist? Like well, what do, you, what do you see? Injury would be okay. One, but like, well, last let me give you an example. Last fall, the boys came in, and they were just setting the world on fire. I'm like, okay, either they've really improved because they've gotten stronger and they're bigger, like boys can do, but I didn't see it (laughs) physically, or they did too much in the summer. And as it turns out... Hold on, when did you identify this? uh, Fairly early on, and actually... In September. Yeah, because when they started getting PR after PR on courses we'd done, I'm just like, this is September? And they looked too good. They looked too sharp. And I knew they had done some things in the summer, and I kind of cut some stuff off once I got wind of it. And I thought I caught it early enough because I was afraid they were just going to be just wasted. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, they probably would have. All the kids were going home and taking naps in the summer. They'll do that. I knew, okay, all right, what's going on? So moms are telling me. I'm like, they're so tired. I'm like, why? <laughs> I know what they're supposed to be doing. They shouldn't be this tired. So then I found out. So I got to a few of the kids, and they, they backed off. But if you look at what they did throughout the season... They got to the end of September and they hung on, mm-hmm. and that's all they could do. And you saw that. Right? I could. I saw it, and I'm like, man, oh, I hope <laughs> they just can <laughs> hang it's on. Weird, well, because I'm like, this isn't. Yeah. I could. Yeah. You can read the kids, right? When when you're really tired and you're overtrained or you've done too much, you get grouchy. I'm not already doing that. Well. <laughs> But 
their personalities get a little different. Or they come into the gym and they just slump against the wall. You know, usually there's so much energy when they come in, especially boys are more rambunctious than the girls. You, you see that and you go, oh, they're sick, there's something's not right. So we actually had them kind of back off on some things and because I said, guys, you gotta be ready, whatever it was, 10-22, October 22nd. And it's like, we're three weeks away and I'm just like, <laughs> this is not looking good. And they came out and they ran the best race of the year at Kinko and they made it to state and they were close to winning six points from Skyline, who should have been killing us, right? But if, if you see that, you gotta catch it. And you just gotta say, look, you just gotta shut down. Mm -hmm. This week is gonna be, we're just doing runs, not hard, just gonna re recover. It's like this year, Luke's running JOs all the way through nationals, so his season's gonna be- Which will be late uh, the end, July. The end of July. So he's- Yeah, so what are you doing? Well, he's, mm -hmm. I said, you're taking your two weeks after that. You just have to. and. Then we'll read him and see. And early races, he might, you know, just hang on to the group because he needs to detrain a little bit and, and rest up. Not, I'm not real happy that he's doing it, but he has good reasons for why he's doing it. And so I respect that. And he knows where I'm coming from and I've talked to his parents about it. And um, it's just, he believes for his development and he loves track. I mean, yeah, he wants to go D1. That's fine. You know, I said your season will probably, your cross country season will be a little different. And he did talk to the college coaches and they agreed. And I said, well, <laughs> I'm not making this stuff up, but it's a choice you're making and I'll support you. So I'm just going to have to be really in communication with him as to really how he's feeling. He won't start at 10 miles a week. He'll mid-twenties and you know he'll he'll adapt in as long as he's not burnt out from all the racing and i don't think he is right now so he only has really one more race i think and it's it's national so but that's that's a challenge of coaching that's the artistry of it it's not the science you can kind of apply in your setting and in our setting we have highly motivated educationally very directed kids and that's a number one priority. And that's my number one priority. So then if there's a kid that's not, that's fine. But the majority of these kids, they don't have jobs, so we're not dealing with that, but it's just, they're studying right. till late at night. And they gotta recover and they wanna train hard and they wanna do all those things. So we try to balance it for, for everybody. Had you ever thought about coaching college? Um, very briefly, yeah. but I knew the downsides to collegiate coaching and they didn't outweigh the upsides to high school. Sure. Um, I actually love the fact that we don't recruit kids, right? Mm -hmm. That we don't call them up and say, why don't you come to my school? Because that's part of the challenge is you get what you get and you make the best of it, right? Um, and also, I'm not a salesman. That would just would that would just drive me nuts. Mm -hmm. Call up some kid cold turkey and go, "Hey, you ever hear of Kennesaw State?" <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and no, I like teenagers. Mm -hmm. They're goofy. I mean, they really, especially when they're freshmen and sophomores, 
they just make me laugh. I mean, how do you, in your life, how much laughing do you get to do other than with your own kids or maybe you have some coworkers that you really enjoy being with, but high school kids, maybe. I do. High school kids just make you laugh. Mm -hmm. They're so funny and they're so, they're in that learning phase. Their life is ahead of them. They're excited about doing things and, and it keeps you young. So this concludes our podcast with uh, living legend coach, Gwen Robertson. Thank you, Gwen, for your time. It is always a pleasure to sit with you. And I think hearing a lot of the um, remarks and, um, and observations that you've made over the years is really valuable. If you've made it this far, that must mean you also found something valuable to this discussion. Uh, we would encourage you to go to thetempo.net and see other podcasts, discussions that we've had with people that um, are in a unique position to identify successful behaviors, habits, strategies. Um, of course, we are always the champion of the tempo way, which is daily wins accumulated and how to go about approaching success.